Welcome back to the Future of Supply Chain here in Rogers, Arkansas. I'm J.P. Hampstead, Strategic Analyst at FreightWaves, here with Aaron Rubin, the founder and CEO of Ship Hero. Aaron, wel- welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's fun here. Um, you guys write e-commerce fulfillment software for warehouses, and you have your own warehouses uh, that you, uh, you know, hold people's inventory and move it across the country, fulfill it very close to the customer. Um, I want to hear a little bit about what makes ShipHero different you know, vis-a-vis the current state of e-commerce logistics and where you think that's headed. Yeah, sure. So current state for most brands that are not, you know, Apple, Walmart, you know, sort of the $100 million area of brands is they import, they, let's say they bring everything into LA, they store all their product in Southern California, customer orders in New York or Miami or Seattle, it ships from, from Southern California and either they pay UPS or FedEx to two-day air it, which is expensive, bad for the environment, but at least gets there quickly, or they just ship it via ground, which is still costly, but um, it's both costly and slow. <laughs> um, so that's the cor- sort of the current state where sort of obvious that the world is going is a more distributed model where, sure, the product shows up in LA, but if the customer's in Miami, it's shipping from... Orlando or Jacksonville or Miami, but it's not shipping from Southern California to Miami. That's sort of ridiculous. And no big companies are doing that anymore, right? Walmart's not doing that. Amazon's not doing that. Apple's not doing that. Um, But all the mid-market is. So, Yeah. So you see like this sort of like inevitable like evolution to where even you know small direct to consumer e-commerce shippers will actually be able to locate their inventory much closer to consumers and not have to pay a big parcel carrier to move it like you know sort of transcontinentally what, what like in our previous conversations Aaron, you, you you really like hammered down on the fact that you think this is inevitable why isn't it inevitable cuz it's half the price <laughs> um, so the cost of delivering it at the appropriate scale with the right setup is way cheaper. I mean, Amazon spending $3.50 to deliver a package, your mid-size e-commerce brand, including pick, pack, ship, spending 10. There's a huge delta there. Um, and even if you're not quite as good as Amazon, you can still get it to five or six. And it's a huge huge amount of dollars. If you think about what an e-commerce company typically profits on an order, their profit per order in a good business is $10. If you're talking about, hey, you can save $5 on logistics, that's increasing their total profit, the entire business, by 50%. Like, of course, you have to do that. Right. So uh, for me, it's like, you know, I'm I'm not an e-commerce person, but for me, it's like kind of easy to imagine how someone like Amazon, you know, sort of knows where all their customers are, knows where, uh, you know, knows about like the buying habits of their customers. They know they, they have like total control over their, their inventory and SKUs. And it can do a lot of like, like predictive stuff to, to um, you know, forecast demand and, 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 and know how much inventory they're going to need in a specific place. But Ship Hero, you, you guys are holding inventory for like a whole portfolio 
of e-commerce shippers, right? That have like, they sell lots of different kinds of things, lots of different kinds of customers. To me, that seems like a much harder demand forecasting problem. Like, you know, can you comment on that? Like, how, how, do, you, yeah. how, do, you, how do you build technology to solve that? So it's got its pros and it's got its cons, but some of the pros are around, let's say seasonality, right? So if you're a ski retailer, really sucks half the year. You have nothing to ship, right? Um, and if it's the exact opposite if you're a swimwear company, right? So as you get bigger, and we serve thousands of merchants, um, you solve some of that seasonality, some of that, oh, you know, this is going to be big in the north this time of year, south this time of year, just by scale. So you don't have as much empty space. In terms of predicting the demand, it's basically the same as what Amazon does, right? Amazon is selling for a million different merchants, um, some of whom are tiny, right? And they're still balancing the product. So it's a few different levels. You sort of, if you have enough data on the SKU, use that. If not, use the merchant. If not, use the category. If not, you just use some general heuristics. And your goal there is never 100%, right? So think about how many planes Amazon has, right? So if Amazon always perfectly positioned their product, they have a warehouse basically within 100 miles of anyone. So what the hell are those airplanes doing, right? Those, those airplanes are there because sometimes they got it wrong, right? And they had one product left. They put it in Seattle. The customer's in Miami. It's got to be there in two days because of Prime, so they put it on the plane. So this isn't a, oh my God, we got to predict every single one correctly. It's like to get these sort of Amazon scale 350 uh, package delivered, it's about getting 80% of them or 90% of them in the right place and you're spending $2.50 using their DSP program to deliver it. And the other 10%, you're spending 10 bucks because you got to put it on a plane and give it to UPS and just have them move it and you just eat that cost. Um, that, that's, that's super helpful. One of the things that you know you believe in and you're a big proponent of um, is sort of using parcel carriers for what, what they're actually good at, right? And, and, and what they can do that no one else can do and um, you know, managing like a truckload transportation for line haul movements between DCs or between fulfillment centers yourself um, and not paying you know, UPS or FedEx a ton of money to do that for you. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like, like Amazon, like postal injection type of thing where, where they're dropping off pallets at, at a local post offices. The other layer to this that I think makes it also interesting is that we're seeing a lot of evolution in the last mile carrier space itself, right? So it's not just a question of the post office or UPS or FedEx. There's a, uh, an increasingly abundant like sort of ecosystem of, of players. Can you talk about um, some of the innovation you've seen in in last mile parcel, um, last mile delivery, the, the some of the new emerging um, carriers that Shapiro works with? Yeah, so I think you guys have Penny from Front Door Collective tomorrow on the program. So I'll use them as an example. As many Front Door Collective aggregates, last mile carriers. I, well, to go back, I think where they're getting them from, and Penny could explain a little better, is Amazon used to work lots of local and regional carriers. And then over time, they switched more to the captive, the DSP program, where it's only for them. So there's a lot of these local and regional carriers that built out capacity, built out teams, built out capabilities, but don't have the volume anymore from Amazon. So they're looking for alternatives, right? 
Now, so what Front Door Collective does is it aggregates it and gives you sort of a single uh, company to integrate with for us to get the last mile delivery. But the essential problem is if you're a shipper, UPS and FedEx are the only options if you want to ship across the whole country. So therefore, they're able to monetize every part of that process because they've got this duopoly, right? When you start to break it into components, now no one has uh, a monopoly, right? If you think about the number of trucking companies to do middle mile. So you're breaking the segments and increase the competition per, on each segment. Within, within each segment, exactly. So you asked specifically about last mile. So there's a company called Viho. Viho uses gig economy drivers to do the last mile. And they're a relatively young company. I think they've only been around for three, four years. Um, Axel Hire, been around a bit longer, similar model. But there's also ones like LSO. And you can even get to bigger ones like LaserShip and OnTrack, which are now one company. Um, so there's, there's this different range of like, hey, do I need a regional? Do I need a, a, a local? Or do I need like a hyper-local? Like a VHO would be a hyper-local, right? They're delivering within one city. Um, the work is different. So we deliver from our facility in Fort Worth to the VHO facility, I think in, uh, get the name, but it's like 20 minutes. It's in between Dallas and Fort Worth. Um, Grand Prairie, maybe. Um, so we're line hauling it to them, right? Now, if I was just using UPS or FedEx, I don't have to line haul. They come, they pick it up, right? But because I'm line hauling, I could then be smarter. I'm not only line hauling to them. Maybe I'm line hauling to a couple of other uh, places where I'm dropping off as part of that delivery. I might also be doing a bit of a milk run and picking up from some other people. But I'm building my own transportation. And then I'm going to VHO and getting a, a cost to deliver the package that's 60% lower than what UPS would charge me to deliver that exact same package, right? So more work, but a lot lower costs. And again, VO is just an example. There's um, Blue Streak that we use in Florida and tons of others. So it's more work. You got to integrate with more partners. But at the end of the day, the cost is way lower. That makes a lot of sense. I want to talk about um, the difficulty of building the, the, you know, the technology that, that, that powers Ship Hero, what that technology is worth. Um, maybe one way to talk about that is, is through the lens of the de- Deliver like Shopify deal, right? Um, we were talking earlier, you pointed out that uh, Shopify buys Deliver for what, it was uh, over $2 billion, right? 2.1, yep. $2.1 billion. Deliver doesn't own warehouses. They don't own transportation assets. Yep. So it's sort of like, what did they? What, what was their property that, that was worth two billion dollars? How, how, yep. how do you think about that deal? And what, what, what signal did that tell you about um, you know how you know, e- e-commerce is, is is evolving? Yeah. So Whiplash, which used to be Port Logistics Group, recently sold to Ryder. So it's four hundred eighty million dollars. I know Shopify looked at that deal and turned it down. Right. So. Port Logistics Group has a ton of high-quality assets, warehouses near ports. They tried to change their name to Whiplash and put a little technology layer to try to make it get a technology multiple. But essentially, they have have real assets, real big customers. I want to say Macy's. I might be wrong, but customers like that. Um, Shopify wasn't willing to spend $480 million, yet when Deliver came on the market who has no warehouses and no warehouse management system, Shopify bought it for $2.1 billion, right? So why, right? Yeah. So all Deliver does, and I'm not saying all in a bad way, it's focused, right? All they do is put the product, 
close to the end customer, and then use uh, alternative methods, let's say, to deliver it. So the alternative methods are local and regional carriers, or in cases where, again, they made a mistake, they'll zone skip it. So they'll put it on a commercial plane, get it close to the end customer that way, and then use a local or regional carrier to deliver it. So it's all tech, no warehouses. All you're paying for, all you're paying $2.1 billion for is the technology to allow you to stage the product close to the end customer. And if you think about technology, it was purchased by Shopify, a leading technology company, right? So it's not like this was an old legacy 3PL who's like, it's hey, not, we need this It's tech. not like Kmart, right? Right, exactly. This is a tech company saying, wow, this tech... It's too hard for us to build. We, or too slow, right? We'd rather spend $2 billion acquiring this than try to build it on our, our own because it's going to take too long or we're not going to succeed. Right. So, um, and why? So, so what's the end result, right? What do you get for your ten, $2 billion that makes it worth 100 right? Because if it's not worth 100 down the line, why is it worth two today? And the answer is you take that cost, do what we're trying to do, which is take that cost of delivery from $10 to $5. If you do that, that's a $100 billion change in Shopify's market cap, and that's why they spent $2 billion on it. So that, that brings me to my final question, which is about how ShipHero builds technology, right? You, you weren't a dock worker. Right. Um, you were a computer programmer. Yep. Um, you know, uh, when, when I think about e-commerce fulfillment, I think about people standing inside of a four-walled warehouse putting things in boxes, but you guys apparently employ lots of engineers. Can you talk about what, you know, how you built the technology organization, what the size and scope of it is and how they work? Yeah, so um, I'm, a, I'm a programmer. We have 100 programmers on the team. Before I started Shapiro, I ran an e-commerce company. And I'll give you the, the frustrating part for me was I made over $10 million in profit running that company and I spent over $12 million on carrier costs, which drove me crazy. So that was, that was sort of the impetus to do it. Um, the way we build technology is we build it both internally and externally. So we sell our WMS to lots of companies. Um, over $8 billion a year worth of e-commerce is shipped with our software. Shopify actually used our software as their SFN. So that was their network for the last four years. Um, and then we also run our own warehouses that also ship about a billion dollars a year worth of stuff. So I have hundreds of employees on my payroll using my, cup, my product which is great for feedback. But then I also have outside customers who give me feedback as to what do we need? How do we make that product better? So I think that those two pieces together, eating your own dog food, is how you build the best technology. It's so it's fascinating. 100 engineers only raised $50 million so far, right? Yep. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you.